Yo, what is good in the neighborhood? What's going on, everybody? This is another episode of the People of Packaging Podcast. I am your host with the Holy Ghost, the Packaging Pastor Adam Pink. Uh, we have got a great episode for you. If you have wondered about negotiating, this is a critical time in the packaging industry to be able to have a conversation to negotiate and and to have a partner who can help you with that, a coach who can help you with that, you want to tune in to this interview with Eric Reifenberg. And another way that you can really help your negotiating is to know your specs. That's right. You've got to know your data. You have to control your data. You have to own your data. It's hard to negotiate with a vendor or a supplier who has all your information. Take back that control own your specs, go to specright.com backslash PKG. That is S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash PKG to learn more about how their platform can make it easy for you, the packaging professional, to manage your entire packaging life cycle and keep control of your data. So you want to hear more about the power and the art of negotiation? Well, let's hear from Eric. All right, everybody, I'm here on another episode of the People of Packaging podcast with Eric Reifenberg. Eric is the principal of the negotiation experience. And Eric and I got connected up of mostly the place where I connect with everybody on LinkedIn. And we started going back and forth. This episode and this conversation you're going to hear is fun because this is our first conversation. For those of you who don't know, there are plenty of times where I've had a pre-call. We've kind of talked about what we're going to talk about. These are my favorites because there's no script here. There's no like destination we're trying to reach. This is just Eric and I meeting and talking for really the first time. And we connected a little bit here before the before I hit record. But you're going to get some live, raw questions and conversation, and I think it's going to be great. So, Eric. Welcome to the People of Packaging Podcast. Thank you, Adam, and I appreciate your promise to be gentle on me. I will. I will. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be super. It's really easy softball questions. So, my the, the first question I like to always start off with is, who did you vote for in the twenty twenty election, and why was why do you hate everybody else? Oh, <laughs> Answer, <no>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, why don't. Okay. Now that you've broken the ice. <laughs> we'll skip that question. We'll skip that question. Uh, so why don't you just tell the listeners this is a packaging podcast and right. you know, you're at this negotiation experience, but let's just start with like, who are you? Like we, we meet up and you're going to introduce yourself and you say, I'm Eric and this is what I do. Yeah. Adam, so a quick backstory, failed civil engineer, sold everything I owned in my uh, late twenties, moved to Austria, learned German, went to business school and then ended up getting a job uh, locally and went through the whole like um, process of getting a visa so I could work there. And then the company I worked for, Emerson Electric, moved me to Colorado. And I've been in Colorado since 2004 and just been uh, progressively moving up in different sales roles all the way until I became a VP of sales. And you know, early in that sales career, I got negotiations training when I was at Emerson in the early two, like 2001-ish timeframe. And it lit me, you know, fire in me that I just kind of put away because I didn't really have the experience. I didn't, you know, have the 
you know, the, the real deep experience on how to apply the material. So I tucked that away. And um, in 2016, after successfully working with a company that was sold to from one group of private investors to another, I was able to kind of do my own thing at that point. I reached, as I like to say, escape velocity on my career where I could do something on my own. And uh, I started the negotiation experience and I've been doing that for about five or six years now. And, you know, I, I don't have a lot of packaging experience. I know this is the packaging podcast, but I do have one rather large customer who's in the packaging space. And that would be Avery Dennison. And I've had a, been blessed to train their label and graphics sales organization, as well as their procurement team. And uh, I've learned a lot from them. So I have some insight into packaging and uh, I'm ready for you know, any questions, but that's kind of how I got where I'm at. Yeah, I love it. So we'll get, we'll get to some of the more packaging specific stuff, but let's say kind of high level on uh, this for, on a couple of things. Uh, first of all, when you move from, you're in Austria and you move back to Colorado, is that correct? Yeah. Um, did you find that knowing German in Colorado was as useless as it was when I took four years of it in high school, because I've never had, I've never had a situation in Colorado where I was like, oh, finally, I know <laughs> now that I know German, I can navigate this situation. <laughs> yeah. The city was a lot easier with German. No, it was yeah. useless. Totally, totally useless. Um, other than the fact that I had to travel back to Austria for about five years and I, I could use it when I went back but yeah no good in the US. Yeah, it's a fun it's it's such a I've forgotten most of it but I just remember it being such a fun and you know just like mean like you could say the kindest thing and it just sounded so just like ugh, like just so guttural <laughs> and like yeah, it's maybe a close tie with dutch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh well that's that's cool. So and do you still speak fluent German would you say? Absolutely not. I've lost okay. so much. It's been yeah. 20 years. Yeah, I just know random phrases that I memorized when I was a teenager. And so they're probably not, not great <laughs> to, to say they can't, they couldn't help me at all. Uh, okay, so and then in, in kind of a serious question here, I found this really fascinating. Uh, you said you reached escape velocity on your career. I've right. never heard that term before, but I, I really like it. So for the listeners, we have people from, we have college students who are in packaging. We have professional sales professionals, executives at big multi-billion dollar companies that tune in and listen. Tell me a little bit more about what does that mean? I mean, obviously it meant something to you, right. but it's a fascinating idea. You know, it's really getting to a point in your life where you you know, frankly, saved enough and gotten your bills squared away in such a way that you can afford to take some risk. You can afford to not have a job for six, nine, 12 months or not make any income and do what it is you want to do. And, you know, it's just amazing how, at least in my experience, life just filled itself in. Like I took that risk to put myself out there and work just started coming and the, the treadmill has been turning ever since. So anybody who's thinking about that of, you know, maybe transitioning out of the corporate job, which could be a little soul crushing, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, going into something maybe you have a lot of passion for and, uh, and I'll just mean passion for passion's sake, but you're adding real tangible value to somebody, right? Where that you're, you can monetize that. Yeah, no you're doubt. To do that. I, I, I would recommend it. I mean, it's fantastic, uh, but you have to be willing to, uh, 
go through the dips, right? Where you have no revenue for a long period of time. And, you know, it's a lifestyle, but right. So that was a state velocity for me. That's, that's cool. Um, You know, I've heard, I've heard people say anywhere from, you know, kind of like nine to 12 months of like, like, you know, it's not, it's not just about raising a whole bunch of money and then taking a chance. I mean, there's some, there's some practical steps that one would take. And that's why I thought it was so interesting that you kind of touched on that. It wasn't just this willy nilly idea where sometimes on LinkedIn, you see these people who are like, and I started my business and I had no money in my pocket. I had this and now I'm a billionaire. And it's like, okay, but <laughs> yeah. is, that, is that the best advice? Maybe. Ah, but I'm married. <laughs> and women have this organ in their body where, you know, that the, avoids risk at all costs. So, <laughs> and anybody who's married can understand. So yeah, we, yeah. we definitely had to have a plan B set up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So let's, let's go back to, let's go to what, what you do. Um, so you have this, you have this thing, it's called the negotiation experience. You also mentioned that you have a customer. So is it a combination of uh, like, is, is there an experience? Like, do people show up and learn about negotiation tactics and skills and training? Um, or is it is it more focused on the the client specific? Or what, talk to me a little bit about the negotiation experience. Yeah, so I think you nailed it as far as like, it, the idea is that, you know, most of the material in any sales training, negotiation training, most of us are not primary researchers. So we're not coming up with this material on our own. You know, my journey was learning this, uh, these principles, these ideas early in my career, and then testing them out, trying them in multiple circumstances and figuring out what actually works. And then taking that and bringing it to uh, like an immersive classroom environment where, you know, we can get real and tell stories about, you know, when you totally screwed up and you, you lost $30 million in business. And how did you, how did that happen? Or, you know, you, you've scored a $200 million deal with a team that you're working with. And how did that happen? You know, so really getting real about the experience and then, you know, creating a lot of role playing. So the experience is that you're going to go through this class and you're going to do a tremendous amount of role playing and apply the material. And it's going to be exhausting. It's going to be challenging, but, you know, you're going to build the muscle memory you need when you get out in the real field. So what I like to say is that you don't want to practice on game day. Mm. So practice in the classroom and that's just a lot of role playing. So if you want to learn about negotiations uh, in a very general way, go buy a book. Yeah. But if you want to change behavior and get people delivering results, they need to have this type of immersive experience. So that's why I decided to call it the experience. Yeah. Otherwise you're the same as everybody else, just talking about the theory. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure there are, I mean, are, are there, are there, are there books that you read or that you recommend, um, for, for people who just even want to get started or like, do you have a book? I don't know. Are you an author? Or are you mostly? No, I don't have a book. Uh, I, you know, I'm posting on LinkedIn all the time ideas, but sure. There's, there's some timeless books like getting to yes, getting past no. These are like the introductory books that I remember reading a long time ago, you know, I like that Chris Voss book, uh, Never Split the Difference. You know, he's mm -hmm. really great at that. You know, how do you deal with people in the moment? I think that's an important part of negotiations. I don't focus yeah. there. I focus more on the preparation. Oh, okay. But, but I like what he does on, the, you know, when you're live with people. I mean, he was uh, liberating hostages. <laughs> so you need right. to have a certain amount of be in the moment. 
Um, so that's good. Uh, so I would say that that's probably one of my favorite books that's come out lately. But I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of books that aren't that great. So yeah, I don't want to talk. Yeah, about. we don't we don't need to give them any airtime. But I I was curious because I have I'm actually in the middle of reading um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, and I was like, oh, I wonder if yeah, that's good. that's a that's a book that you would write. I did I didn't want to come out and ask you about it since we've never chatted about it before, and have you be like, well, actually, that's the worst book. Um, so very entertaining. Yeah, no, it's it's a good. It's a good book. And here's what I find interesting about it. And this will start to kind of pivot here into packaging specific information. Yeah. So you have the engineering background that also has, that has a sales with, with, with also like a sales career and certainly negotiation is, is an important part of both of those. Right. Sure. Um, when it comes to packaging and, you know, you mentioned Avery Dennison and you mentioned their sales team, is that really where you focus on the preparation for negotiation or do you also work with people? Cause there's a lot of like procuring packaging and buying packaging and, um, right. and, and that also, that has its own set of negotiations that go along with it. Right. Yeah. You know, because I focus on the preparation process, I really believe that the principles, tools, tactics in the, in the strategies for negotiation are pretty much exactly the same, whether you're on the buying or the procuring side. So like with Avery Dennis and I train both sides, procurement and sales. So that preparation process is the same and it's really grounded in gathering information. Okay, so what... What are, I mean, obviously people can connect up with you on LinkedIn and follow some of your stuff, but what, what are some, what are some steps that somebody could take away right now to, to kind of like some low hanging fruit to get better at preparing for the negotiation? I'd like the delineation there between preparing for the negotiation and then like what never split the difference is about, which is acting in the moment of the negotiation. I think I can couch that in like talking about common challenges I see. So okay. one challenge I see is people tend to give something away they don't care about early in the negotiation. And the danger is they don't recognize that this could be something very important to their counterpart and they could have used it as either leverage or they could have used it as a trade. So whenever we get into a negotiation, we tend to think about ourselves and we think about what we wanna get out of it. What we need to really do is flip the script and get really much more engaged about what your counterpart wants, what their goals are and what they want to achieve because it could be something that would be very easy for you to give away or rather than give away to trade for something that you want because we don't always want the same thing right although i find it astonishing that every time i meet with salespeople, they think it's only about price with procurement and when i teach procurement teams i'm like before we start can i ask a question is it all about price for you and i'd say 95 percent of the time they're like absolutely not Correct. So there's a real mismatch there. Yeah, no, there, there's a, that, that's, that's an, so, so within the packaging world, let me just see if I get this straight. So I'm, I, I've sold packaging for a decade. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of like, what would be something that I would give away that may be important that I'd give away early. So maybe it's a uh, free design. So somebody's got a big meeting at a large retailer and their current company is 
struggling to get their design department is backlogged and I make a cold call and they're like, Oh, thank goodness you called. I really need this design. We don't normally pay for it. And I go, great. We won't charge you for it either. Would that be an example of maybe giving away something too early or what, what might that look like? So the first thing you did is you identified that's important to him. That's perfect. But rather than just saying, yeah, we'll throw that in. Why don't we do a little bit more investigation and find out, can we trade that for something? Like, could we trade that to secure the deal? Could we trade that to have a little bit higher margin? Because if you think about from their side, you know, even if they do have designers, they may be out of capacity. And in order for them to add capacity, they might need to put more fixed costs in their business. By you providing that service, you're allowing them to flex their resources without adding more fixed costs. And there's value in that. Mm-hmm. So let's capture it. And that's Got something easy for you to give. And they may be able to, willing to give you something for it. So how does that manifest in preparation? Do you suggest that that companies that are either selling it or, or in this case, even buying it, because buyers can give away valuable information or too early, right? They can, they can be too forthcoming with, with things that either they don't need to be forthcoming about or that are really, really valuable. Um, so how, yeah. how does one prepare for that? Well, I want to touch on that last point. You said that. Um, so professional for procurement people are generally pretty, pretty good about not oversharing and not giving away information. That's not their problem. Generally, their problem is everybody else in the company is leaking information constantly and well-trained salespeople are going around procurement. And if they're smart, they're using other people in their organization who aren't on the radar to help gather information. So they're building a negotiating team that's gathering information as a team. Hmm. One of the failures I see in procurement, so you think about packaging procurement, is why aren't you doing the same thing to the sales organization? So yes, you're talking to your sales rep, but why don't you go to your supplier's location? Why don't you bring people from your company with you to your suppliers and develop a game plan to gather information and find out what's going on in the company? So not just reading their you know, financial reports or what's in the news, but actually boots on the ground. And I'm talking about your most important suppliers because procurement people don't have a lot of time. But for right. the really big deals, you know, if it's multi-million dollar deal, let's dig in and do exactly what salespeople are doing to you. That's Which fascinating. So, so information. Yeah. So a uh, you're saying, because I, I I like this thought experiment. Number one, I've never gone through it and I really enjoy this. So you're saying like a good sales rep will call on what I don't even know what the number is anymore. 9.7 different people within an organization that are required to make a decision. And so salespeople are typically, if they're, if they're doing their jobs effectively, they're calling on marketing, at least in my industry, right? Marketing, engineer, packaging, engineering, procurement, graphic design, legal, uh, shipping and receiving, manufacturing, production, all of that, right? You're, you're, you've created this list of people to talk to in order to get the bits and pieces of siloed information to put it all together. I've never heard of somebody say, yeah, but the procurement people, why aren't you going and getting the full picture from that, from that particular uh, company that's looking to get your business? Yeah. I mean, if you're in procurement, you may have a quality organization that has to go visit your suppliers. You might have your engineering organization that needs to visit or talk to or communicate with your suppliers. 
you have uh, accounts payable that has to talk to them. All those people are touch points that if you coordinate your activity can help you gather information. Because like I said, procurement doesn't have the luxury like sales does to, you know, because one procurement person may have multiple categories and a lot of vendors in each category or a salesperson might have two or three really focused customers that they're working on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was just, I was curious if if you've ever had a, an experience uh, at, at one of these negotiation experiences where yeah. may, maybe a procurement person in order to validate the data coming from the salesperson has said, well, I'm actually going to go, I'm going to talk, I want, I want a connection now to your production, to your, your planner. Yeah. Cause you yeah. just told me that you're at two week lead time on these labels yeah. and I want to talk to your planner yeah. and know I've exactly seen, what it's like. Yeah. I mean, I've seen very sophisticated companies use a pretext of a, a QBR or a, a site visit, you know, or a quality audit. And that's a great pretext to get into your supplier's facility and go in there with a, not only are you checking the, the quality and going through your checklist, but you're also gathering information because information's leaking out of both sides, right? There's people in the facility who don't know they shouldn't be saying things. Mm -hmm. No so, doubt. I mean, it, so the, the, what I'm saying is everything's about information. How can you prepare for, how can you create trades? How can you gain leverage if you don't have information? Then it's just about price, right? And we're just button heads on everything. Yeah, yeah. And then it's the... I don't know. I don't know if you follow uh, Beck Holland at all on LinkedIn, but she's a, she's a sales trainer, and she I heard her speak once, and she talked about the buyer seller dance, and yeah. how everybody is kind of disappointed at the end of the dance when you're when what you're trying to do is the sellers are trying to maximize the amount that they can sell it for, and the buyers are trying to buy it for the lowest possible price, and <laughs> and and then there's just butting of heads, and at the end of it, everyone's exhausted, and finally, just somebody goes, All right, "Fine, I give up." And, and you open the other side and she's like, it's exhausting um, to go, to go through that process. So that's, that's interesting that you're kind of talking about that, that idea. Let's go, let's, let's go here to Avery for, for a quick second. So big, massive, multi international company uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's well known within the packaging world. People, there's probably people from Avery, Dennison listening to this right now. Uh, so you said that you train so you have these experiences that people can sign up for, right? They don't, don't have to be part of the company. And then you have these specific things where it's like, I have, a, I have an agreement with Avery and I'm going to put together an experience for Avery. Yeah, so we do in-house training for our clients, which is either in-person or virtual, you know, because of sure. COVID, of course. And then we put on a public class twice a year and that's so anybody can join or customers who hire new people. So we have one or two new employees and we really need to get them trained and we don't want to host a whole class. So that's Got how it. we yeah, service our. Do client. you bring together the sales focused people yeah. in the organization and the procurement focused I'm people? So glad you brought that up, Adam. The best classes. The best because you get procurement people saying, hey, salespeople, stop doing this. Yeah. You know, or, or we say, hey, procurement, you're going to be the salesperson in this role play. Hmm. And they get done with it. And they're like, I remember someone at Avery in the procurement department joined one of the role plays. He, when he left, he's like, I have so much respect for salespeople now. That was brutal. I hated it. <laughs> he's like, I had to be nice. And <laughs> 
So not naming any names, but that was, uh, that was funny. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I've at my previous companies, I've instantly connected up with, and my current company, I work at Myers. I've, I've connected up with our people in procurement and I've said, please, if you get a really great cold email that you responded to, can you forward that to me? Yeah. Good job. I just want, I want to look at the structure of it. I want to know why, like, why did you, why did, why did this get your attention? Um, yeah. I want, I've asked them to do participate in role plays with us. I'm like, you are, you're somebody who buys stuff <laughs> in our industry and we yeah. have sales reps who are struggling at times to get people on the phone and to talk with them and all this. It's like, can we, can we practice together? Yeah. I feel like, and maybe you can validate this. I feel like when sales reps practice with sales reps and they role play, they bring the worst version of procurement that they've ever had because they <laughs> finally can get on the other end of that role play and burn that person. That's, that's the way you I've experienced think that, that, right? I do. But not as often as you think. Interesting. They're often, they're often too, they're still locked in this uh, sales mode of being overly accommodating. And yeah. And I, and I'm like, are you sure you want to take this approach? Like, this is your chance. Interesting. I wonder if that says something about the salesperson then, if they, if they, how, how they view the person on the other end of that call or across the, across the desk, uh, if they're overly accommodating or if they're just mean and vicious and <laughs> cruel. You know, and, the last few classes I've done, I found that the salespeople playing the procurement role have been overly accommodating and have really, they're trying to be overly collaborative where there's some real value in procurement being competitive. Once you've determined that you've got the right supplier or the right fit or the right skill sets and you can meet your needs, you know, once you collaborate on that, but once you make that determination, you can then pivot to competition and start having people, you know, really compete on the negotiables that are important. It's not always price could be delivery. I mean, let's face it right now. It's all about supply. Yes. People will pay whatever. They just want to get supply. Yeah. So, you know, I, this is something I'm, I'm thinking about. I'd love to know your thought on this. This may be the first time in most people's career in procurement where they're in a truly inflationary environment. I know there's been inflation in certain commodities that have come and gone, but I mean, we are in a almost universally inflationary environment. And I would say procurement people in general have never had that experience and then been able in a deflationary environment just to beat up their suppliers on price through competition. Mm -hmm. And that's changed. So the skill set has to change completely in procurement now. So have you, what do you think about that? I totally, 100% agree. Uh, I think that this is going to be a time, I, I posted about this on LinkedIn a lot. I said, if you, you, this is the first time I've been in, I've been 15 years in packaging. I spent the first five years doing some level of procurement. And this is the only time I can remember where the the salesperson sort of holds a lot of the cards because companies right. are just trying to get like on the press, get as part of their allocation, get their raw materials. Right. And and price increases letters are just happening all the time. It's like, whatever, just put it on the pile. Uh, just send me my invoice. And what I'm afraid of for salespeople is that they're going to they're they're gonna overplay their cards and yeah. and and not be part of the solution. They're just going to ride the wave, but this yeah. wave is not going to last. Hopefully it doesn't last forever. If you're in sales, you don't want it to last forever. Yeah. So it does last for a long time. It means yeah. 
you're paying for that on the backside of this. There's a lot of order taking going on right now in sales. Let's face it. Tons of it. And if you allow salespeople to go multiple years of just order tanking, you don't train them when that pendulum swings back, it's going to be painful because, you know, I talk to clients and they're like, our biggest challenge is how do we reduce, how do we reduce price as slow as possible when we get out of this, when the supply chain starts to correct it or the commodities markets begins to correct itself. Supply chain is another thing, right? Transportation is a whole different deal. Right. And uh, yeah, so that's going to be a dance that they're going to have to make as we transition to, we raised our prices 30, 40% in the last three years to, we, we got to now let the air out of the balloon slow. Yeah. And yeah, it's going to be tough. Go ahead. No, so, and then, you know, if you think about the transportation industry, those people have a tremendous amount of experience because transportation is always up and down. So they can't abuse their customers when there's a tightness in transportation because it'll swing back and there'll be slack capacity and they're going to need to you know, retain those customers. So yep. I think that they're kind of the model for how do we get through this. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, but again, I hadn't, you had mentioned procurement has to change as well. And, and I will tell you, that there are, there are people that I already know right now, like I know them personally, they're in procurement and they have set themselves up so well because of how they negotiated and nurtured those relationships. Yeah. Um, how, you know, when price increases would come, it wasn't just like, we don't accept price increases. We're going to put you right out to bid. And, and yeah. they like, they didn't treat their vent. They treated their vendors as, as real business partners. And they had that good relationship. And I think that now those are the companies that are, that yeah. are, that are, you run into something where it's like, they're a jerk to us. Uh, and these, this company has been great. Guess who's getting yeah. on that press. Guess who's getting that allocation. Yeah. yeah. You're it's right. It's all about allocation right now. It's not about, you're still paying more, but at least you're getting the allocation. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, Eric, we are, we're running up here against, uh, against our time. That was a, that was a quick, that was a quick conversation and I still have so many more questions and I hope that uh, the, the listeners do as well. So tell me, how does a company, if they're like, we need help with sales negotiations, procurement negotiations, whatever it is, internal negotiations, how would a company get in touch with you to learn more about the negotiation experience? Yeah, our website, thenegotiationexperience.com email address, phone numbers up there, or on LinkedIn under my name, Eric Reifenberg. And even if you're not interested in like getting involved in training right now, and you just want to pick up some information on a regular basis about, you know, how should I be thinking about negotiations? Connect with me on LinkedIn and I'm posting multiple times a week, you know, my thoughts on negotiations. That's great. That's great. Well, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes, your, uh, your website, your LinkedIn, uh, URL so that they can just click on it, connect right up with you. This is a, it, it's a great time for you to be in this space because I think with so much that's in flux, not that it wasn't always needed, but especially today, understanding how to communicate, how to have, how to plan, how to come in with the right mentality, the right information, all of that stuff is, is going to be so critical given the ebbs and flows of where we're at in the packaging industry. So uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and I, I hope that, that people can reach out and connect up with you. Thanks, Adam. Have a great time. Definitely. Thanks, Eric. Bye-bye.
Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share, rate, review, subscribe, because we want to change the world because we believe that packaging is awesome.